Hi there, I'm Justin Barber, a 23-year-old designer at Google, and this is my podcast, Shape.Cool. In this episode, I sit down with Bethany Fong, a senior interaction designer who's done a lot of work in the field of accessibility. Bethany recounts some impactful childhood memories that shaped her into who she is today and the big problems in the world she wants to solve. And if that weren't enough, we also talk about what we do with 100 years of time before we finish up with some more personal stories. so much at being polished at work right. and in presentation right, that this right. is good practice for me not to be. Not to be polished, yeah, that's perfect. So I was born in Colorado. My dad works for the National Park Service, and there's a regional office in Denver. So okay. uh, I and my sister grew up in Colorado in the foothills. Oh, really? Yeah. What does what's it, what, like, describe your dad's job? Uh, so he's an architect. Okay. Um... And, well, whenever people hear that, they think, what is there to build in the national parks? Like, <laughs> is he constructing trees or something? Um, did he make those waterfalls? But um, <laughs> there, are, there are buildings in national parks, and uh, he works on kind of the user experiences around the national parks, actually. Okay. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how that worked out. So, you know, the, um, the approach up to Yosemite Falls, uh-huh. Yosemite National Park, uh-huh. Uh, where you're walking down this path and all of a sudden the trees open up and you see the two waterfalls framed by tall pine trees on either side. Like, my dad worked on that. No way. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Um, so y- did you spend, like, a lot of time... I don't know, like, did, how did that influence your childhood? Yeah, we spent a lot of time in the woods. Uh-huh. Uh, so almost every summer and spring break our family would go on a big road trip okay. to different national parks around the West. No way. That's so, we, so cool. You get, like, yeah. little, like, badges from each. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I was a junior ranger in many national parks. <laughs> it's, like, the coolest thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just, like, very juxtaposed with, like, everything digital now and, like, mm-hmm. what you're working on. But um, what are, like, give me, your, like, one of your favorite memories from parks and stuff when you were younger. Oh, man. Um, well, I have, like, flashes of memory. So I remember the dry heat from the Utah deserts and walking through it and mm. thinking, like, this is really cool. I've never experienced this amount of hot before yeah. and this amount of desolation. Um, and I remember <laughs> being bored in the car when we are driving down miles and miles of road, but... You know, now looking back, I realize, like, I got to experience, I don't know, boredom in the face of all these amazing vistas that now is, like, a part of me and part of my visual experience, part of my visual language. Yeah. Um, I remember in, in maybe fifth or sixth grade, maybe earlier than that, maybe fourth grade. Um, so growing up in Colorado, there is a lot of aspen trees there, right? Uh-huh. And you go up into the mountains, and in the fall, the aspen trees, they turn from light green to bright gold, all of their leaves. And they're kind of round, and they've um, got a little, like, pointy tip. And I remember walking through as a child, like, very much a child, and looking up at this golden clouds formed by the aspen leaves, and looking down at the golden leaves that that I was walking on, and... All behind it is this bright blue sky, and I realize, like, 
this is beautiful. Yeah. Like, that was my first experience of wow. beauty as a little kid. Like, yeah, I don't even yeah. know how that That's crazy. thought entered my mind. So. How, like, how old do you think you were? Just roughly. I don't know. 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. You, like, remember, like, your first encounter with beauty. Yeah, yeah that was so crazy. striking to me. Yeah. Did that, um, like, were there any other moments in your childhood, like, nature-related or not, that were kind of, like, defining moments like that, that kind of, looking back, you're like, oh, like, that was actually kind of a big point of, like, why I'm here now? I think a lot of graphic design actually stuck in my brain as okay. a kid, and I didn't know why. Um, so, again, in elementary school, I thought that when I wanted to grow up, I'd be one of two things. Okay. I would either be a ballerina, which... You know, totally reasonable <laughs> occupation. Um, or I wanted to be a movie poster designer. A movie poster designer. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah. Because cool. I, I think it was because I, I saw the Star Wars movie posters. Uh-huh. And I started noticing movie posters and how they're exciting and emotional and really put together. Uh-huh. And meant to, like get you just ready for this experience and I thought oh I kind of want to do that (laughs) so random a ballerina (laughs) or a movie poster designer and like what age was that like around the same oh that was younger that was younger third grade wow I mean like that's pretty forward thinking of you I I was a progressive little kid (laughs) I guess what other ways were you progressive not not progressive I guess ambitious ambitious yeah yeah um I remember telling this little kid on the playground, this was in preschool, (laughs) that uh, he had proposed marriage, Uh and I really liked him, but I couldn't do it because I had to go to college one day, (laughs) and I'm sorry, preschooler. (laughs) And I felt actual regret about this. Wow. Yeah. But something stuck in my mind way back then that like there's big things that I want to achieve later on what are some of those big things I think there's big problems that I've tackled now I don't know if I've achieved much in them but I think design has taught me to not be afraid of big problems and that there was a methodology to tackle it a little bit at a time and it's okay to kind of explore things from the inside out yeah um so, like, one of the big problem areas that I'm really interested in and I've worked in for a number of years now is, um, like, the, the problem of accessibility. Right. Like how do people with disabilities use technology? Just ex- understanding that from a design point of view. It's a huge space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that, like, a lot of people don't know about. Like, I obviously came here straight from school, and I had no idea what accessibility was you know, until I started here. And um, probably until I talked to you. Yeah, pro- yeah probably so. <laughs> said, like, hey, Justin, <laughs> so this light gray is really gray. Here's what you need to know. <laughs> Designers do love their light grays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so accessibility is a pretty big problem, like how people with disabilities use technology. But how did you get interested in it? I've kind of always been interested in it. And again, one of those, like, formative flash of a moment is I, I think my first 
awareness that this is something that really meant something to me was when I saw a girl get bullied on the school bus and um, she I'm not sure if she might have had Down syndrome maybe uh-huh. um, and there was a bunch of boys on the school bus who were saying things like oh you know Sarah like come sit over here with me oh he wants to sit over there with you like because he's your boyfriend he likes you and just kind of bouncing her around and she was really confused mm. didn't know what was going on and um, I got so mad on that bus ride that I decided to do something about it and right before I got off the bus I like stood up and skinny little me like went over to those boys and told them that they should treat her like a human being because I would really appreciate it and she would too. Wow. And I don't think they really bothered her too much after that. Wow. Based on what I heard. Um, but that experience stood out to me not because like I was a great hero or anything but because I got so mad. Yeah. And I feel like it's good to pay attention to what, what you get mad about. How do you translate what made you mad about on that bus to how yeah. you design now? That's a good question. So I think as I got older and started understanding that a design was an actual field that I could get into, um, I realized that there is a way that I could marry pursuing justice through design um, or fighting injustice through design. Like, I think, you know, the bullying towards that girl is just a small symptom of that, but, like, there are larger societal injustices going on and societal inequalities um, for lots of different people. Yeah. And um, kind of leaning into this anger that I felt about people with disabilities getting excluded was one way of trying to figure that out and help a little bit. Do you feel like that's the responsibility you have? Um, I actually don't feel like it's a responsibility. Uh, I know that it it can be all-encompassing. It's it's not quite like social work or, you know, some of my friends do social work and right. like it's really easy to get burnt out because the need yeah. is so great. Um, I mean, still the need is so great here, too, in technology, and, like, um, I feel like, but that's true for anyone working on any project with users. Users have so many needs, and right. it's hard to understand them all. Um, but, no, I think it's been an opportunity for me, and I kind of lucked out that people with disabilities is actually a really interesting group to design for, too, because there's this concept of um, the edge case or the power users, right. uh, the long tail users. I mean, like the ways that they need to use their devices are the same as anyone else, like calling their mom or figuring out what to eat for the day or something like that. Um, but, you know, usage patterns or the way that they use their devices might be really, really different. Yeah. And a lot of times those long tail users have created hacks for themselves or workarounds that actually predict where the market's going to go because they figured out a way to make something inconvenient for them more convenient. Interesting. Do you have an yeah. example? 
I think, yeah. So, I mean, there's some, oh, some classic examples of universal design. Okay. Um, like curb cuts on sidewalks. Mm. Uh, meant for people in wheelchairs. Useful for everyone. Right, right. Um, and I actually, in technology, I think that autocorrect uh-huh. and auto-suggestions on your keyboard were um, originally built for people with dyslexia. I mean, okay. you're really going to have to check Let's out the facts of that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I believe it was developed uh, with people with special needs in mind. Interesting. Uh, but obviously, super useful. Yeah. And now you like you can't even imagine a keyboard or a text writing system without it. You said that there, people with disabilities are a really interesting group to design for. Mm-hmm. What makes it interesting to you? The fact that almost... Well, this is kind of selfish, but the fact that like almost everything is new to me, I learn so much when I work with them. Yeah. Um, like all of my assumptions are challenged, which I think is really exciting as a designer. I think it sucks to design for people who are just like you in every way, um, because you don't learn anything, and you don't grow as a designer. You don't have to come up with new solutions for things. Um, so it's it's nice in that manner. Yeah. How long would you say that you've been like focusing on accessibility? It's been a growing thing, at least within okay. Google. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, way back when, Android didn't have a style guide. <laughs> Actually, not that long ago. I know, that's the embarrassing <laughs> part. <laughs> um, they needed someone to write the accessibility article, and nobody knew anything about it. Mm-hmm. And all I knew was that I was interested in the field. Okay. So I volunteered to write an article, which meant I volunteered to research this field and write the article and publish it. Um, And it just kind of grew from there because I took the time to research. All of a sudden, I became the local expert at it. And now my knowledge has grown and grown. And now I'm in charge of accessibility for a number of things. Yeah. Like, what are some of just like the, the main things that you've gotten out of that, like the main things you've learned? I've learned that it's kind of like any other design task. Like, it seems really overwhelming at first to have to learn all this new criteria for, Uh like, oh, I can't use that light gray, or um, this button's just not going to work for whatever reason. Um, But I think if you consider it as a usability issue, then it's the same. It'll just get worked into your brain as, like, usability metrics that you have to meet. Right. So it'll become second nature, I think to a designer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming mm-hmm. getting buy-in yeah. can be difficult. That's I mean, super so like challenging. Generally, like, how do you get buy-in from people who maybe don't realize or aren't as involved with accessibility? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think there's... <laughs> it's funny. So when I was writing the initial accessibility article uh-huh. for the Material Design Style Guide, I was writing the introduction and, you know, I wanted it to be all about like, here's accessibility and this is why it matters. And I like threw everything that I could into the introduction. Yeah. Like, here's five reasons why it matters. And the writer came back to me and she's like, we're going to have to edit some of this out. Like, it's just too much okay. trying to convince people why <laughs> okay. this is important. Okay. And so I think we got it down to maybe two maybe three, maybe two and a half. Yeah. Kept, kept as much as I could. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is 
there's a lot of really good reasons that people should pay attention to accessibility and you can list them out and there can be facts on a website that will tell you about it but if you're not teaching people how it's part of the process and how it doesn't actually destroy the designs that you're trying to put together then they're not going to do it yeah you really have to kind of teach by example yeah um so how do you make it a part of the process um that's a really good question. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, even just this week, I was, I, I gave a training on accessibility, and I revamped the last half. And instead of doing practice exercises, I was teaching people about my thought process of how I prioritize bugs. Okay. Which sounds like the most mundane thing. Uh-huh. You know, bugs in our Google bug filing right. system. Like, how is that right. going to fix you know, people reading the internet when they can't, you know? Right. Um, but I realized that, like, these designers who are creating these products, they freeze up when they see an accessibility issue cross over their desk. And they have the knowledge. Designers are smart. They're problem solvers, which is what they do. Um, but if they don't have any context of what to do with this bug, they just they won't handle it. Yeah. They'll kick it off, and right. it'll be a suboptimal experience. So I taught how I think through a bug. Okay. And that seemed to really resonate with people. So getting people like getting people to buy into accessibility has been just like the hardest the hardest part. That's one of the hardest parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think there's kind of a branding issue with it too. How so? Um So I mean this is something that I've struggled with just as an interaction designer um, on a team with brilliant interaction designers and brilliant visual designers and motion designers. Um, but I think both interaction design and kind of the field of accessibility design, just not really good at branding ourselves. Okay. Like our, our work is inherently not as visual or flashy as other disciplines. Like a lot of it is spreadsheets and right. flowcharts and wireframes. Um, and I think it's just hard to drum up excitement for that sort of work. Um, similar with accessibility, like a lot of the solutions that you come up with are really cool, but they might be like voice UIs or um, UIs that don't require you to actually see anything. So if there's no visual to it, then like, what are you going to show people to show them that this is really exciting? The flow chart that made it happen. Exactly. Right. Like, here's yeah. the conversational logic. Isn't this amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you say, I mean, like, obviously there's a very large, like, visual design community, and um, maybe that's part of the branding that you're talking about. Like, is there, like, a, a larger accessibility community? Is not, like, the people with the disabilities, but the people designing for them? There kind of is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think there's a small but stalwart group, at least spread out across Silicon Valley. Um, everybody, I, I get the sense that everybody is kind of learning the same things at the same time together yeah. based on the stories that I see on Medium coming out. It's, we're all learning the same things about color contrast at about the same time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to completely generalize this group, but most people I've met who work in this field are just really warm and super dedicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I would definitely call you super dedicated. When I first met you, I wouldn't have called you warm. I know. I know. It's okay. I have the same problem. Yeah. No. But yeah. People think I am. I've been called super zen. Okay. Which is the nice way of other things I've been called, which is intimidating. Right. And cold. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You fairly recently, within the last year, was promoted to senior level. Yeah. And yet you still feel insecure about things. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. How often, I guess, do you still have moments where you're like, do I know what I'm doing? Oh, all the time. Okay. Like, every day, about every five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So what, like, what happens when that moment hits? Like, what do you, what do you do? Lots of different things. I don't know, most recently, just today, I was thinking about how, like, somebody gave this piece of advice that they always try to be at a job that they are just slightly underqualified for to push them a little harder. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, I feel like that. Okay. I must be doing okay. Yeah. I mean, like, but you've been doing, like, accessibility stuff for four years. Mm Mm-hmm. And you still, like, but you still get that feeling of, like, Oh, I get there's, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much stuff I don't know. And and right now, like, I don't just do accessibility stuff, too. I mean, right. I'm also on material design and working on the material design language. And right now, I'm trying my hand at some visual design stuff. And Get out of town. Yeah, <laughs> it's so man, Justin, you would, you would pat me on the shoulder or something when you saw what I did. It's okay, but, I don't show you any of my flow charts. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, and it's super stretching. And I'm supposed to be like, not quite managing, but like leading a team yes. in this pursuit. And like, that's new for me too. Yeah. Um, and like, I know that I can always end up doing it somehow. Like, it always works out. I'll get the job done. Yeah. Um, I certainly have enough example around me that I can just copy what all the smart people around me do and yeah. kind of, you know, muddle my way through and it usually works out fine. In design, I don't know if it's true or not, but the reputation is kind of you essentially get promoted until you start managing people instead of doing design work. Do you feel like you're interested in that? Yeah, I think I'm interested in it um, somewhat abstractly as a challenge at this point. But there's still so much I want to do with design. What are some of the things you want to do? So, I want to get better at visual design, because yeah. obviously the coolest designers are visual designers. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Movie um, poster designers are out there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they shape culture. That's super important. Um, I mean, really, I want to try and be every designer if I had about a hundred more years of lifespan, I'd yeah. love to try everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just want to make stuff that wows people. And at least in my experience so far, that, that involves a lot of time by myself thinking through stuff. Okay. But maybe in the future, that experience will be a lot of time me crafting the right team and getting them to make the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very, you said you're a very ambitious child. Sounds like you're still a very ambitious adult. <laughs> Why are you laughing? And that if you had a hundred years kind of left, you'd do every type of design. 
but and and a lot of other things. I would I would still be a ballerina. Okay. Yeah. Really. Yeah. For me, it's just one thing. It's what? like just design. Really? Yeah. That's if you had a hundred more years. If I had a hundred more years, that's literally all I would want to do. What I mean, what would you want to make? Like, is it? Oh, I have thoughts on this, but like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but what do you want to? What do you want to make in those hundred years? I mean, it could be anything, <laughs> but you'd want to be like multiple. Yeah, I want to try everything. Okay. Um, I think there's, so I know there's like a certain type of pleasure of being a, a good interaction designer. Uh-huh. And like, that is very distinct and it feels very nice to do a job well done. Yeah. And, um, and I know that, well, the, the pleasure not, is not just in delivering good work, but also in figuring out the problem uh-huh. and making good decisions or interesting decisions along the way and discovering things. Um, and the teamwork, too, around that also. And so I, I kind of wonder, like, well, what is that like for a motion designer or for a visual designer or for, you know, a woodworker or any other sort of thing that requires craftsmanship? Like, yeah. what does that feel like to be really good at that thing? Interesting. And I want to feel that. Yeah, in, like, different mediums yeah. or, like, different... That's interesting. And, and then how do you... Of course, you know, once I achieve mastery and all of those, um, how do you make them fit all together so that you can make the pinnacle of all things all strung together? (laughs) Wouldn't that be crazy? Wait, what would that be? I don't know. Well, just like how any good design has elements of interaction and visual and motion and, you know, prototyping and more. Like, I I feel like each discipline itself is so, it's becoming so complicated because there's so much stuff that it's very hard for one person to be able to handle all of it. Yeah. But what if they could? I think it would be really cool, and I'm curious what would come out the other side. Like, the ultimate person. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you see yourself going next? Either personally or professionally. Just where do you see the next few years taking you? I'm not going to get married again. (laughs) Check. Yeah. Done. That's done. He's great. And he's a doctor. Doctor. I can ask him any medical question whatsoever, and he will Google that for me. (laughs) (laughs) Very convenient to have a medical Googler service in my house. Instead of answering your question, I will tell you that someone asked a similar question. So this past weekend was Memorial Day weekend. Right. I did this road trip to Big Sur for one day, which involved like seven hours of driving. Yeah, it's a long drive. Really patient people, and there are some, some of my best friends. And um, we had a picnic blanket, and we were sitting on the beach all together, eating lots of Trader Joe's snacks, and watching the sunset. And that was like the last bit before I drove back up north. And you know, someone said like, "So you know, Memorial Day weekend in a year, where do you think you're going to be?" And um, you know, someone was there starting a new job, and we joked one person would hopefully be dating, <laughs> <laughs> and then another person said they would still be single, but hopefully, like, going on a lot of cool trips with their bro friends, um, and then it came around to me, and I was like, oh, I guess Google I.O. will just have landed, so I'll be probably tired from Google I.O., and then I was super disappointed with my own answer. Like, I, want, I wanted to 
look forward to a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I know that I talked like I would want to do a hundred years of design, but even just that one year of design, it sounds like it's going to take a lot of work. Um, and it'd be nice to have a little bit more going on outside of it other than that. Yeah. Is anything kind of floating around in your mind? I mean, well, all the normal things, being a, you know, awesome sister and wife and um, daughter and, you know, trying to be more involved with my community and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You've been married how long? A little over a year. A little over a year. I'm getting married this year. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Any advice? Wow. This is big for a podcast. (laughs) Um, I can give you wedding advice sure yeah I yeah. really think of planning that I mean I'm barely I'm barely married <laughs> still feels like we're like roommates um eat food on your wedding day okay Just high calorie things sneak them in your pockets <laughs> stuff it in your mouth it doesn't even have to taste good just stay just, just put calories in you got it I'm a big fan of putting calories in. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Theme. <laughs> yeah. It's it's how I take care of people. And um, I think stay mentally present and just take like mental snapshots of the day. Uh-huh. So like um, and just really try and put those into long term memory. So like one thing I did um, during our wedding ceremony is when the minister like asked everyone to bow their heads and pray, you know, close your eyes, bow your heads and pray. Um, I decided not to, and I wanted to keep my eyes open, and I looked around because, you know, every every minute of this wasn't it was it wasn't gonna last, and I was the only person who was gonna be able to have that perspective on that moment, and so yeah. I took the time to just look around, yeah, and look at the sky and look at Brian. Um, and try and soak everything in. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, thanks, Bethany, for taking, like, an hour yeah. out of your day to talk with me. Um, if people want to go to learn more about accessibility, what's a great resource? Oh, um, go to the Material Design website. So go to design.google.com. And on our spec, we have an article about the basics of accessibility. Um, and just start Googling, honestly. Like, there's a lot of really good articles that have been written within the last year, I'd say, okay. about accessibility and design. Um, like I said, we're all learning about this at the same time. Yeah. And just start reading about it. You'll get some cool perspective. Cool. Any, any last thoughts or things you didn't get to say? I think it's really cool what you're doing. I love this podcast. I hope you make me sound really smart. <laughs> I won't take any work at all. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks for helping me be a little bit more brave. Oh, 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 oh.